Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan, read by the author. Chapter 26, Aeem. The scream came from a slight leprechaun chambermaid. We scared the hell out of her. Dad tackled her onto the bed and covered her mouth. She looked up with wild eyes. Then Dad called her by name. Aeen, shh, I won't hurt you. It's me, Oisin. He showed her his missing hand. Her eyes widened more, which I didn't think was possible. A voice came from the corridor. What's going on in there? Dad rolled off the maid, hitting the floor on the far side of the bed. I ducked behind the door, my banta stick ready. The guard stepped into the doorway. The maid quickly sat up on the bed. What's all this noise? the guard asked. She shot a quick glance at me behind the door. I didn't know what she was going to do. If she raised the alarm, we were done for. I'm surprised I didn't pass out. I wasn't breathing. I... I... she stammered. I saw a mouse. I could see the guard through the space in the door jamb. He let out an exasperated sigh and said, Stupid cow. No, don't go, she said. Oh, no, I thought, as every muscle in my body tightened to breaking point. She's going to give us away. No, please come and look. I've got better things to do than catch mice, the guard said. She shot a knowing glance at me and then nodded slowly once. Please, she said. I think this mouse has two heads. I smiled at her then. She was on our side. She knew I couldn't get a clear swing at the guard from where I was. She was luring him into the room. I was impressed by her fast thinking. If I was the guard, there was no way I would have missed a chance to see a two-headed mouse. The guard stepped into the room. I adjusted the grip on my banta stick and clocked him good, square in the temple. I felt the solidness of the contact clear down to my toes. He did a little comedy pirouette and then crumpled to the floor. I leaned over him and said, That'll teach you for calling her a stupid cow. I closed the door. Dad popped up from behind the bed. Thank you, Aeen, he said. The maid threw her arms around Dad and pressed the side of her face into his chest. Oh, Prince Oisin, is it really you? Dad stroked her hair. She stepped back and wiped her eyes. Are you going to fight your brother? Aeen said. I'm afraid I am. The sweetness vanished out of her. All of a sudden, she looked like she was made of granite. Good, she said, almost spitting. How can I help? Dad's smile covered his face. At that moment, he looked a lot like Fergal. Do you know where Kielty keeps my hand? In his room. It's in that fancy box of his. Of course, Dad said. He kissed her quickly on the forehead and turned to leave. But, she said, he keeps his chamber door locked. That stopped us both in our tracks. And then we heard a jingle behind us. We turned to see Aeen holding a fob of keys in her hand and smiling. But I have the key, 
Kielty's chambers were decorated with dead things. The walls were covered with mounted animal heads, and on every surface were stuffed birds and beasts. I hate this kind of stuff in the real world. In the land, it was a sacrilege beyond measure. The box was in a small alcove. It was a beautiful thing. It must have been made from wood of every tree in the land, an intricate patchwork lovingly made from timber of every hue. Dad put it on the table and stared at it. There was a strip of cherry-colored wood running along the top. Dad slid it to the left about a half an inch and then moved a darker strip of wood down. He stepped back and sighed. What's the problem? I asked. It's a puzzle box, he said. Some elf lord gave it to Kilty when we were kids. You have to perform about... Thirty of these little moves in the right order to unlock it. Can you do it? I did it a couple of times, but that was a long time ago. This is going to take hours. I picked up my banta stick and came down hard on the lid of the box. It shattered into about twenty pieces. My way's quicker. I wish you hadn't done that, Dad said. Why? What happens if Kilty comes back here and finds his favorite box has turned to kindling? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Dad gave me that dad look. Obviously. With his lone hand, he gently pushed aside the splintered wood. He was shaking a bit. Underneath was a packet wrapped in a red velvet cloth. He unwrapped it, and there it was. Something I never thought I would see. Dad's right hand. It almost glowed from the yellow shadow magic that encased it, like those dragonflies trapped in amber. He picked it up and stared at it. It was a very strange moment. I tried to imagine what I would be thinking the first time I saw the back of my own hand in... Twenty years, and I couldn't. Is this going to work? I asked. Deirdre thinks so, Dad said dreamily. Well, that's good enough for me. Come on, let's get out of here. We reassembled Kelty's box as best we could. It looked okay, as long as you didn't touch it or sneeze. We had to get all the way to the other side of the castle in order to get down to the Chamber of Runes. Aeen offered to scout ahead for us. Dad told her it was too dangerous, but she insisted. Who says you can't get good help these days? Whenever we came to a corner we couldn't see around, Aeen got down on her hands and knees with a scrubbing brush and crawled around the corner, pretending she was cleaning. Once we had to wait a couple of minutes for a guard to pass. Another time, the way was too well guarded, so we ended up on a walkway that overlooked the courtyard. It was more exposed than we liked, but it was our only choice. It actually wasn't a bad route. There was a lot of activity above us with soldiers fortifying the ramparts, but this level was empty. It also allowed us to get a look at how Essa, Araf, and Fergal were doing. They looked okay. Araf had his back to the well. He was hiding it, but if you looked closely, you could see that he was holding a length of rope that was hanging into the well. 
Fergal was standing guard, so he assumed that Essa was down the well, cutting the gold cables. The strange thing was, even though Araf was wearing that ridiculous wig, Fergal was the one that looked out of place. As a banshee, his appearance was perfect, but his body language was so rigid, I could feel the tension all the way to where we were. We came to the south wing and entered a corridor. This part of the castle was old, real old. You could sense it. The end of the corridor sloped around to the left. Aine got down on her hands and knees and did her cleaning routine. She was gone for what seemed to be an eternity, then appeared back still on her hands and knees. There's a guard in front of the door of the chamber, she whispered. What did he look like? Dad asked. He's standing at attention. Go up to him and ask him if he wants a glass of water. This obviously scared her, but she did it. She came back looking a bit confused. He completely ignored me, she said. Dad smiled, walked around the corner, and right up to the guard. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. What was he doing? I followed. I mean, what else was I going to do? Dad strolled up to the guard and snapped his fingers in front of his face. The guard didn't even blink. He just stared straight ahead like he was in a trance, which he was. One of Neve's specials, Dad said. She practiced it on me once when I was younger. It's not very pleasant. Aine wouldn't go down to the Chamber of Runes. It wasn't that her bravery was faltering. It was just that it was not her place. She offered to guard the door and warn us if anyone approached, but Dad said that wouldn't help. Can you do one more thing? Anything, Prince Oisin. Make sure there are no leprechauns in the East Wing. It may get dangerous today. Leprechauns don't go in the East Wing if they can help it. But there might be some servants. I will only warn the ones I can trust. Don't stay there too long yourself, Dad said. May the gods protect you, Prince Hoisin. Aeen hugged Dad quickly and left. Dad opened the door. The Chamber of Runes was a long way down. The spiral staircase was lit by huge candles every couple of steps. I remembered what Araf said about them being able to burn for years. I was glad they were there, otherwise we would have broken our necks. There was no windows. I suspected that after a little while we were well underground. Halfway down was a landing and an unconscious guard. So far, so good. I finally knew we were getting close to the chamber by the glow. It got so bright, I half expected to walk into a television studio. Mom and Neve had heard our approach. They were standing at the bottom landing, poised, each holding some magical weapon. Neve's made of gold and Mom's of amber sap. They lowered them when they saw us. Hi, girls. Do you miss us? I said. Mom flew into Dad's arms. Neve asked, did you get it? No problem, I said. Dad's got one hand on his wrist and another hand in his pocket. Neve gave me a dirty look. 
It's amazing how quickly the women I meet learn that expression. The chamber wasn't as big as I expected, but it sure was well lit. Araf had said there were a hundred candles down there. It was more like a thousand. The walls looked as if they had been there forever, seen it all. It made me want to ask them questions. It gave a new meaning to talking to a wall. The chamber had no furnishings except for a stone table. At the opposite end of the room was an archway made of oak, like a proscenium in an old theater. Beyond that were two more, just like it. And at the far end was another stone table, exactly like the one in this part of the room. I walked towards the archway. Don't go near that, Neve warned. Why not? That is the first Marbrocht. Trust me, you do not want to cross that by accident. I couldn't see anything, but I stepped back. I could tell by her voice that she wasn't kidding. Dad unwrapped the hand and held it in place. Mom produced a wide golden bangle and opened the clasp. The gold bracelet was a clamp, and she used it to secure Dad's hand to his wrist. Dad held his amber hand up to his face. He turned it, staring at the front and the back. He had that faraway look in his eyes, like he had in Kelty's bedroom. It took my breath away. I had always known this man as a one-handed wonder. Now I was looking at him whole, the way I had seen him in my dreams. Mom placed a piece of gold on his amber palm, and then a square of oak, a blank rune. He turned to the archway. He was finally going to take his choosing, something that he had been preparing for all of his life, but had thought was denied to him forever. He took a deep breath and said, I'm ready. I'm going with you, Mom said. Dad, who was out of practice with his right hand, was so shocked, he dropped the gold in the rune. You most certainly are not. It was Mom's turn to be shocked, and she shot back with the same indignation. Yes, I am. Oh, my God, I thought. I'm witnessing my first parental argument. I wondered if I should go upstairs and hide in my bedroom. Deirdre, Dad said, softening his tone a bit. You can't take a choosing. It will disrupt your sorcery. I'm not taking a standard choosing. I'm going to choose a shadow room. She placed a glob of tree sap in her palm and placed a disc of dark amber over it. I hadn't seen Dad that shocked since... Well, never. I was shocked, too. Dad had explained to me how gold was the fuel that powered the creation of a rune. Mom was going to attempt it using tree sap, powered by shadow magic. I was sure no one had tried that before. Even with my limited understanding of all this stuff, the suggestion terrified me. This is the craziest idea I have ever heard, Dad said. It should work, Oisin, Mom replied. You and the Door clan have had the monopoly on magic forever. You think that your gold is the only power there is. But you are wrong. I have proved it. And you might need me in there. What I'm doing may be unknown, 
But no one has ever tried to do what you're doing either. Mom looked fierce. I made a mental note to get into as few arguments with her as possible. Neve, Dad pleaded, help me on this. Deirdre and I have discussed it, Eve said. I think this has a good chance of working. Possibly more of a chance than even you have. I heard the words, good chance and probably, and I didn't like it. I had an awful thought that instead of only having only one parent, I was soon to be an orphan. Mom picked up the gold and the blank rune and replaced them in Dad's hand. Dad attempted one last pleading look, but Mom was not for turning. A look of acceptance washed over his face, both of their faces, and they turned to the archway. Whoa, hold on, I said as I ran in front of them. I, um, I love you both. You don't have to tell me that, Connor, Dad said. I know. And I, my son, Mom said, will never grow tired of hearing it. I didn't want to touch them and break their concentration. I said, good luck, and got out of the way. May the gods be with you, Neve called. Then together, as if they had been rehearsing it all of their lives, they took a step towards the archway. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening.